Hi, I'm Tara from Marathon Mates. This week we have a very special privilege of speaking to an absolute legend of Australian athletics, Robert D. Costella. Rob is going to talk about the Indigenous Marathon Foundation and the wonderful work that they are doing to help Indigenous Australians achieve massive changes in their lives and ultimately their communities. Are you ready to run? Let's go. Deke running by himself. The only thing on his mind now, can I get that world record? I loved running marathons. They test you. They test your limits of endurance, of pain, of being able to control your mind and body. Took a little water right there, said down the home stretch. He's got the police escort. The feeling of being able to run 42 kilometres is so empowering. You feel that you can do or you can achieve anything after that. A very sweet victory indeed, because it means that the Australian is undoubtedly the world's number one marathon runner. I had a very good running career and a very good career working in health with kids. I've been a very lucky and I'm a very proud Australian. I guess the what I'm not world proud of the flying runner brought to you by the marathon mates. I'm Tara, and I'm today I am joined by T Tim and Tony, my marathon mates. <laughs> we have a very special episode lined up where we are honoured to have Australia's greatest marathon runner, Robert D. Costello, join us to talk about the Indigenous Marathon Foundation. But before we get to Rob, how are you guys and how has your week been? Well, my week um, was pretty good. We did a park run on Saturday, or the curly park run, as we <laughs> it was a park run distance. I had a colonoscopy on Friday, so we took it a little bit easy on the Saturday, and then uh, backed that up with a 17k there on Saturday. So Sharon's in a bit of pain; she's hurt her back at the moment. So, Ooh, that's so good. Um, yeah, this week probably won't look fantastic for her but yeah still feeling good still moving on and yourselves yeah we're pretty good we we've started to ramp it up a little bit um in the midweek training and also on the the longer runs on sundays so uh a few extra i think we did one extra session during the midweek this week so um taking it from uh what, what, we, what are we doing two sessions now to three sessions a week on the monday the friday and then uh park run where did we go new farm oh it was an absolutely stunning morning at uh new farm park run on on saturday um really blue skies clear views along the brisbane river um what was it probably 19 degrees temperature it was just wow. a beautiful perfect winter's day it was, <laughs> it was a, yeah it was a wonderful day so yeah, yeah. and then then backed it up on sunday with a, a 25k long run for us and guess who we met along our way tell me our marathon mate Terry Frew. We saw right. him again. So had a little stop and a chat with Terry. Um, and he's going well. He's got um Sydney Marathon in a couple of weeks, he was telling us, and he's starting to really ramp up that mileage. So he's starting to get in towards that 80 to 100 kilometers a week training that he was talking about a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Um, 
but yeah, no, we've we're pretty good, I think. Um, yeah. The king of New Zealand, we should call him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so he's uh, absolutely. Um, he's yeah. brought a few New Zealand um, New Zealand listeners and viewers yeah. to our podcast, so uh, we've got to be grateful for that. Absolutely, we love him. Excellent, excellent. So what we've got are uh, two weeks to Sunny Coast. Is that yeah? So right? Sunny Coast is two weeks away for us, where we're just doing the half marathon there. Um, we're just going to cruise, as we've said, I think, along uh, in the previous episodes. Um, our son's going to run it as with uh, another uh, friend of ours, so we'll run with with her as well and help them get their PBs. And that's that's the thing we really enjoy doing is seeing others have fun and enjoy themselves. Yeah. So yeah. two more weeks. So we're sort of on a taper. We had a chocolate tick shake on. On Saturday after <laughs> after our long run, just to, after on Sunday after our long run, just to celebrate the start of our taper as we usually do, yeah. And and the machines were working. At, at yes, the we go to. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll carry on normal this week with our training. Yeah, but, um, we'll probably give the light um, of the long run a bit of a miss, I think, or a lighter version of it on Sunday, just a week out before sunny yeah. coast. Yeah, speaking of chocolate thick shakes, we actually our Macca's thick shake machine was working as well, so we <laughs> we enjoyed one on Sunday as well. It, we all uh, better knock on wood and enjoy it while we've got it. This so. <laughs> sounds like an ideal opportunity for Macca's to get on board and sponsor our thick shake cravings. That we have. <laughs> I'm sure we're not the only runners that have cravings for thick shakes. No. <laughs> no. So on other news, I guess, we've um, over the last week or so, they've announced the elite field for the Chicago Marathon. So yeah. the big news from that is Kelvin Kipton, yep. uh, the winner of the London Marathon um, earlier this year, and also the second fastest man of all time, just 14 seconds off Kipchoge's world record. Um, he's going to be at Chicago. Um, so Tim, our marathon mate, world number Six, I think he is at the yes, moment, he is, isn't yep. he? Bashar Abdi um, will be there as well. Now, we met Bashar in Tokyo for our first Tokyo Marathon. Very nice guy. Had some breakfast with him. Um, very humble. But um, he's going to be there as well. And on the women's side of the draw, there will be an exciting field that has been assembled with the world number two, who is Ruth Kept an eye, kept an eye. I'm sorry, bear with me. I'm heading he, heading that field. So, what are you thinking about what's happening there with the Chicago field? So, um, I'm thinking it's going to be a very quick field on both the men's and women's draw, uh, and it'll be interesting, Tony, because you'll be at both Berlin, where the number one mm. um, Kipchoge will be, and in Chicago, where the number two Kelvin Kipton will be. So, it's going to be interesting from your perspective seeing. Or being involved in both of them, it could be two world records in in a couple of weeks if if they. Uh, they yeah, I'm just, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about that. To be honest, so Kipchoge and then Kipton, and what I'm really liking about Chicago is I am so intrigued to see how Safan Hassan, the winner yes. from the London Marathon, mm. goes up against uh, Ruth. I'll just call her Ruth because <laughs> yeah, um, because I just get the feeling with um, Hassan that she's she just she's a racer, and no matter what the pace is, I because what we saw in London was incredible from her, and she 
everyone was saying she's out of the race, she's out of the race, she was too far behind, she catches them, and then at the end she just sprinted and was surprised almost that no one went with her. So <laughs> I just think she's a racer and I would be putting my money, if I was a betting person, um, I'd be putting my money on her to have a, to be the winner. I just... Well, yeah. She's got the form, hasn't she? She's unbeaten over the marathon distance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's only done it once in London. But yeah. that was an interesting race, as you say. She actually stopped at about the 12K rate, uh, mark of that yeah. race and stretched out her legs because she had some cramps or whatever. And uh, even the commentators were saying she's too far behind. She's gone. Yeah, right. And then she just picked them off. As you said, she's a racer. She focused on the race. She focused on the people in front of her and just picked them off one by one and had a bit of luck go her way and she she passed them all. And just uh, naive as a marathon runner and just, uh, just that last drink stop before they come into the mall or towards the finish line and she's she's lunged across the road because she um, almost missed the drink <laughs> the last drink station and then she gets a drink and then she's offering it to the girl she's running beside <laughs> like great. it was just it's just magical to see just someone so naive in um and just trying to help her fellow runners so i i'm so looking forward to seeing her run in chicago uh, she's, she's gonna be good so you've got so, so two really good elite fields there i think um We've always got a soft spot, as Tara said, for Bashir Abdi. He's he's our man. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the great thing. When you do uh, Tokyo Marathon and you do it with Travelling Fit, you stay in the same hotel as the elites. Oh, and wow. so when yep, you yep. go downstairs to the, the breakfast area where you have breakfast, there are the elites having breakfast with you in the, in the main restaurant. So for the three or four days beforehand, you see them all just gorging down you know, waffles and bacon and sausages <laughs> and bread, like nothing else, like three, four plates per person. And they're only 40 or 50 kilograms each, these runners. Mm. They're, not, they're not that big. And um, you see them doing the full sort of carbo load. And then after the race, which is when we saw Bashir, we saw him the day after the marathon. He's just sitting by himself at the table next to us and we're chatting to him. And um, turns out he, he, he got second. He got the silver in Tokyo Marathon. Yeah. Um, and we're having a chat to him about, you know, what it's like to be an elite and, um, you know, the differences between elite and what we do. Yeah. Really nice guy, as Tara said, and he really opened up and, and talked to us without having to do it. But at the same time, uh, he backed it up last year in the Olympics, not last year, the year before the, the, the Japan uh, Olympics, Tokyo Olympics. Uh, he was yeah. the guy who got bronze at that Olympics. So, uh, we got a soft spot for him. He's number six in the world. Um, he's actually competes for for Belgium, um, but he's um, I think he's Ethiopian. Um, okay. Kenyan. No, he's not Kenyan. He's Ethiopian, I think. Yeah, I think Ethiopian um, by descent. But um, yeah, no, really nice guy. So you know, we're Bashi fans. So go. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we want to see fast times. We want to see world records if we can obviously we're, we're, we're soft spots for kipchoge but i think yeah. Kelvin Kipchoge is the next heir apparent at the moment but the way he ran london was just phenomenal yeah it's it's really interesting if ever they come up against each other because mm -hmm. kipchoge's you know not getting any younger and yeah. then kipton is very much the young challenger so it will be a shame if they never race each other but almost it will be good if they don't race each other because you'll <laughs> still have that age-old argument, I guess. And uh, 
who's the, who's better who's yeah, yeah who would win you know yeah. it's like so many boxing matches of different eras sort of thing so Tim and yeah. I were actually talking about this on our long run on Sunday and we're like, oh, it is a shame that they're not racing each other because it would have been great for Kipchoge to have that push as well. Like he really responds well to having that extra pacer beside him and he could have mm. used them as a really good pacer and vice versa. So yeah, Kipchoge uses his paces and they tend to drop off at about 25, 30 Ks, which means he's left running by himself for the last 10 to 12 Ks of yeah. the marathon events. Having somebody racing him over those last 10Ks would give him a different result, I think. Yeah, it would be very interesting. So Yeah, but both fields. The other one in there to watch is um, Benson Kiprudu. He's 10th best in the world as well from on the men's side. And Jocelyn uh, Jep Kosguy is also in the top 10 as well on the female side. So there's a really good field there, and I think uh, – from your point of view, Tony, you, you won't be disappointed, I think, when you <laughs> when you get, uh, get to Chicago after Berlin at the, the quality of the field that you're racing against. Yeah, I am so looking forward to it. So, excellent. Um, I guess the other news that we've got at the moment is Sydney Marathon surpassed 14,000 entrants now. So we talked about last week they were at 13,000. This week they're at 14,000 entrants. Remember, 15,000 is the the number of finishes that they need to have in consecutive years in order to sort of step up to that world marathon major status. But I like to think that that thousand extra people that signed up were because of the promotion (laughs) 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 last week or two. So if you are listening, Uh, do sign up. There are, I think tonight's the last night, isn't it? Um, Yeah, for early bed. Because the recording will go to air. So yeah. Unfortunately, um, we're recording this a bit earlier in the week than when we release it. But, um, yeah, the early bird entrance costs um, have finished as of today. But that doesn't mean you still can't sign up. You just pay a little bit more. But mm-hmm. definitely do it. Uh, the other news of the week was that we've just had the Outback Australian Outback Marathon. Um, from the pictures I've seen, from the reports I've seen, from people we know, it all went off without a hitch. Um, hence why I'm wearing my... Australian Outback Marathon shirt. Um, but we don't want to give too much away tonight or today. Um, we've got Michael Walton from Travelling Fit and also um, the Australian Outback Marathon uh, coming on next week to talk about mm. the event, uh, to talk about what it is, because it is an event. It's not just a race. It's actually a whole event. And, um, you know, you don't want to miss next week's episode, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, and seeing some of those photos on social media, my I, I was missing not being there. So yep. yeah, Team Alice yeah. has had serious FOMO this week. <laughs> There's something about that red sand that draws you in, and and yeah, it's just this. Even when you pick it up and you put the red sand through your fingers, you just feel part of the country when you're out there. It is. Yeah, it's it is. It, it, it it's it's quite hard to describe because. You know, every Australian knows Uluru or some people may still call it Ayers Rock, but, you know, so many people may know, obviously knows Uluru. and But it's not until you get there that you actually appreciate the sheer magnitude of the thing and the spirituality around the place. So it is an absolutely amazing event and it's one that, you know, we were privileged to go two years in a row. And... Um, 
yeah, we just loved it. And every year now, when no doubt when we see it, we just go, say, I wish I was there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe well, not good. running, maybe not running the Red Dirt Marathon, but we'd just love to be there. Now, on other news, and this is uh, to me, I think it's a fantastic news story. And it's, um, I've got a mate who works in Port, uh, Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea, and he sent me through the link for the live stream of the Port Moresby International Marathon, which was run on Sunday. And this is the first marathon held in Papua New Guinea since 1988. So wow. congratulations to the yeah. organisers. It was Port Moresby Runners Club. Um, the course was a 10.32-kilometre loop, and to do the marathon, they had to do that four times mm. so not the most exciting of courses no doubt but um but they've they got it out there they got it done uh the marathon itself started at 4 a.m in the morning and that's obviously Ooh, because great. of the the heat and the humidity um that would have been present and the half started at six and so just um to acknowledge they had overall 141 participants of which 47 finished the marathon 30 finished the half marathon so not great numbers not huge numbers but first time in 40 years everyone's got to start somewhere and out of that 141 there were 42 competitors from 14 countries wow so the international yeah it was was quite big so which was good the winner of the marathon male was a gentleman called Alexander Swepson, I believe his name was, from Switzerland, and he did that in a time of three hours 22. The winner of the female marathon was a Hong Kong athlete called Von Dupart, I believe her name was, four <laughs> hours 22. Um, the local um, One of the local winners was a gentleman called Peter Barkey who won the half marathon in a time of one hour 26. And the winner of the half female was also a local, I believe, Mariana Raff, two hours, one minute. So oh, exciting. Could have been the female no. winner for the half no, marathon. I'm, 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 look, I'm looking at those times. I've been to Port Moresby uh, what, two or three times before for work. And yeah. um, it's not a flat city. So I don't know where they would have run it. They would have possibly run it along the waterfront, but there are some elevated sections there. So some of those times might be reflective, mm. not only of heat and humidity, but also a fair amount of hill climbing. Yeah, I just think it's fantastic that they're able to get it back up and let's hope they do it next year. And for any runner that truly wants to test themselves, this might be your opportunity to win an international marathon. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, if anything, you can always say you're top 50 of an international field. So yeah. that's a rare thing in a marathon. So Yeah. <laughs> so well done to the Port Moresby runners. Yeah, yeah good work, guys. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that update, guys. Now, I'm going to hand it over to you, Tony, if that's all right, and we're going to talk about our very special guest, Robert D. Costello. Yeah, and, and a huge shout-out to Aisha from the international, Indigenous, sorry, <laughs> not from interna I've got international on the mind, Indigenous Marathon Project, and yeah. for the um, introduction. Now, all three of us on this panel had previously met Rob um, but one of many thousands of people that Rob must meet during the course of any event that he's at. Um, I remember Rob 
mostly from the 2018 New York Marathon that we ran, and he did the pre-race speech the night before. And there's always a couple of things that I'll remember, which I'll share after the interview. But four-time Olympian, three-time in the top 10 in the Olympics. He was the first ever world marathon champion. He set the world record in 1981 at Fukuoka, Japan, two times Commonwealth Games gold medal. He won the Boston Marathon in a course record and which also was an Australian marathon record at the time. He placed, he was on the podium twice at Chicago and New York. And uh, just to sort of round it all off, he was top 10 three times in the World Cross Country Championships. But after retiring, he became director at the Australian Institute of Sport and he's now heading up the Indigenous Marathon Foundation. Now, the IMP and the IMF are linked. The IMF is the Indigenous Marathon Foundation and the IMP is the Indigenous Marathon Project. So they're two separate entities and that was something that was confirmed to me during the the conversation we had with Rob. Um, the IMP is the public face in many ways. This is the the real benefit. Now, once again, I first became aware of this in 2018 when I met one of the 2013 graduates, graduate 28 in Colin Sampton, who was doing a an experience stint with Travelling Fit. So he was part of the Travelling Fit crew for the um, team that travelled to New York Marathon that year. Um, 2018 was a year of first for Sharon and I. In many ways, we first met Colin. We first heard about the Indigenous. Um, it was our first marathon and the first time we witnessed the pre-race rev up from Rob. <laughs> and that was incredible. It really helped us set the tone for our run the next day through the five boroughs. And he had a very simple message and it was just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you'll ultimately finish. And that message was actually amplified when Colin shared his story and his journey during the marathon. So it was a really incredible experience and one that set us up very well to finish the, the New York Marathon the next day. Now, the IMP is an, is an absolutely inspirational program. Rob's going to share a lot of stats and figures as he walks through the, the interview, but it's making real differences for individuals, families and communities in living healthier lives. In fact, they did a social review of the program by an independent auditor in 2016, and that highlighted that for every $1 invested in the program, delivered approximately $6.60 of social and economic value. And, and that, yeah. uh, to me, I think, you know, you know, when you hear returns like that, that's just wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, Rob shares a lot of um, stats during the conversation. But before we lead into it, I'm going to lead into the conversation. I want to just acknowledge those original four runners of the program back in 2010. Charlie Ma, who's now a six-star um, yep. medalist, Joseph Davies, Juan Darwin and Caleb Hart, because they were the pioneers and they were the ones that had no idea truly what they were getting into <laughs> and ultimately the change that they were going to create so um, i'm going to turn on a video which is a trailer for the original documenting documentary running to america and then please sit back and listen to our conversation or watch our conversation that we had with the the man himself robert 
Dave Costello. Robert D. Costello has embarked on a scheme to develop a culture of marathon running among Aboriginal Australians. He's just completed a recruitment drive across the country, seeking out six young Indigenous athletes he'll train to run this year's New York Marathon. I'm going to try and do something positive because there's a lot of negative things here in Alice. You'll inspire a lot of kids. You know, you'll inspire a lot of adults to be better. You're making history. Times are irrelevant. These guys, you know, didn't even know what a marathon was. Duane said, big rock in my head. But that big rock was what each of them had in their head. At times, like, I wanted to quit the marathon project. Because it's just too tough, you know, it was just overwhelming. I really want you to stay with us, mate. Maybe we won't do it, you know, maybe we won't get anybody to the start line. Certainly a memory I'd keep for the rest of my life. Especially coming from, like, a small town like Kanarara. You get around the next corner and there's something amazing. We just... So a little prayer that uh, we're going to get there together. Okay, thank you um, for uh, for introducing uh, Rob Tony. Um, now I'm very privileged and very honoured to have Rob DiCostella joining us, uh, a true great of Australian running, and I'd say one of the all-time greats of Australian athletics. So uh, thank you for joining us, Rob. My pleasure. Nice to nice to catch up. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so tonight we uh, we want to talk about the Indigenous Marathon Foundation and project. Uh, I know they're two separate entities. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences between the IMF and the IMP, and in particular uh, what we're interested in? I guess is the IMP. Uh, sure. Yeah. Look, um, uh, the whole the foundation, the IMF, the Indigenous Marathon Foundation. Um, has uh is a you know it's been going for about um i think maybe uh 11 years now but the indigenous marathon project uh has been going this is our 14th year so it really all started with the with the imp and um and started with a pretty crazy concept of seeing whether you could get a you know a group of uh young aboriginal men initially back in 2010 and, um, and trained them for a pretty short period of time. I think back then it was about uh, seven or eight months and take them from, you know, not even knowing a marathon existed and never having, you know, sort of um, done any fun runs or anything else and take them from virtually no running to, to running the New York City Marathon. Um, and it was, you know, in, initially it was really about a talent ID concept, you know, sort of trying to see whether the Aboriginal physiology was similar in some ways to the the African uh, runners and seeing whether we could maybe, you know, with the right programs, uh, build build up a, a group of, of top distance runners, especially, you know, marathon runners, uh, to take on the African dominance. 
Um, but for me, you know, sort of it, it changed very quickly, you know, sort of in that first year, uh, you know, I grew up in Melbourne and um, did all of my running from Melbourne or from here in Canberra and had come across very few Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders. Um, and really, you know, other than just being aware of some of the, you know, the closing the gap statistics that everyone hears about, hadn't really seen seen a lot of the struggle uh, until that first year, until 2010. And 2010 travelling, you had two guys from Alice Springs, uh, Caleb, Caleb Hart and Charlie Ma, and one fellow from a little remote community up in Arnhem Land, um, Joanne Darwin, a little community called Manningrida. And another young fella from Kununurra, just over the border, the NTWA border in the Kimberleys, a uh, little town called Kununurra. And and those first four fellas um, were um, a, a massive exposure to me personally of mm. some of the the face, the, you know, the good confronting challenges that um, Aboriginal and uh, a lot of a lot of young Aboriginal and some Torres Strait mm. Islanders live with on a daily basis. Um, and then, you know, to, to take them on that journey um, and get them eventually over all of the hurdles and challenges and setbacks and issues that they had and get them to, to New York. Um, and, and, you know, the concept wasn't mine. It was, you know, the idea of a fellow called Matt Long who mm. wanted to do a documentary. And he, he approached me with the idea and said, you know, do you think, do you think Aboriginal men can run like the Africans? Um, and especially given the success in a lot of the football codes and other sporting codes, it was a pretty interesting challenge. So that was the original concept. Um, you know, we really struggled to get much traction. Uh, a lot of people really gave me and, and the project a hard time. Uh, we struggled to get funding. Um, and eventually, you know, we managed to get a little bit of funding to, to get those four, four guys over to New York. Mm. And um, and the documentary, the Running to America documentary, was was produced and released the following year, and I think it really captured the imagination of a lot of people who who work in this space. Um, a lot of it really captured the imagination of a lot of the running community, and um, and to see the to be exposed to some of the issues, but to do it from a position of overcoming the issues and still achieving. Yeah. The goal that they set themselves was a really uplifting and and a and a um, inspirational um, uh, message and, and and then you know from that uh, we managed to get a little bit more funding from the government and and then um, and then you know we included women and it had a much bigger squad in two thousand and eleven uh, I was able to employ a full time coach um, and a couple of other staff and and you know the foundation was started a couple of years after that. Originally, it was run out of another charity that I, I'd been running for a few years called Smart Start for Kids, which was really trying to address a lot of the child obesity and child inactivity issues that are also um, epidemic across the, the, the community. Um, and then once the foundation started to, or once the IMP program started to mm. get traction and we started a community running program back then called Deadly Running Australia, uh, had deadly fun runs and um, I employed one of our graduates, one of our first female runners, uh, Nadine Hunt from up in up in Cairns was um, our first our first Indigenous employee, um, and and then the foundation started soon after that. Right. Yep. 
I, I saw that first documentary, Robin. It was oh, actually yeah. really quite um, inspirational and really did highlight some of the challenges, but also the challenges that you had, I suppose, in selecting who was going to be part of the IMP. And as the project has evolved, how what is the current process of how do people put their hand up to be part of the IMP and how do you select them? Yeah, look, it's it's um it's changed enormously. I mean, back then we struggled to find those four guys. Um, you know, the if it wasn't for a free trip to to New York City, <laughs> um, we, we probably wouldn't have wouldn't have had anyone. Um it, we certainly wouldn't have because they didn't know what a marathon was and they had absolutely no interest in running the New York City Marathon. <laughs> um, but but it's you know it's um, you know we talk about dropping a rock in a pond and sending these ripples of inspiration uh, across the waters and and that's what those first four fellows did. Yeah. Uh, yeah and and now you know sort of uh, this year we had 172 applicants for we have 12 positions six men and six women. Um, and they they represent uh, that that squad of twelve is an incredible representation of First Nation Australian uh, young men and women, eighteen to thirty year olds, uh, men, women, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islanders, and from right across Australia, from little remote communities, uh, from you know country and regional towns and centres, and from the the major capital cities. So it really is an incredible representation of um you know fully initiated strong culture community men and women all the way through to to um runners that have been disconnected through mm. stolen generation and through a whole host of different different circumstances and for us to bring those 12 together and uh they connect and they become family uh they they become brothers and sisters who support each other through their through their journey and it's not just a journey of running you know in a lot of ways the running is just a metaphor for for them to uh to push forward to take on challenges to be healthy and to to be active um but really to to unleash some uh capacity that probably they don't even know exists within them and mm. that's why you know um, i love the marathon concept you know i love the fact that it's hard uh, anyone who's done a marathon knows that that going in underdone is is a real mistake. Uh, <laughs> hitting the wall at thirty k is is yeah. really for anyone. It's it's really exhausting and painful, yeah. and it's a struggle. Um, and for our guys to do that off just six months of running, and the longest run they do is is you know one one maybe two 30k runs before they they go to the starting line and and that's not really enough you know i mean it's it's so far you know when i was running i was doing a 30k run every every week every wednesday and then a 35k mm. run every sunday um and then you know still training twice a day seven days a week so for them and i was doing that for years before i ran i ran a marathon so for them to just you know think that they can get by or get through it um, on the running side of it is is not right. Yeah. Uh, they get through on their on their strength and their character and their yeah. determination, and that's you know what I want them. Uh, that's what I want the event to show them how strong they are. But also, I want it to be a little bit of a um, a demonstration to the whole country to non-indigenous Australians 
um, that that these young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island men and women can achieve something pretty remarkable, mm. um, and and it dispels a lot of the 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 um, the negative stereotype. Um, it dispels a lot of the deficit conversation that is so dominant in the media, and and a lot of a lot of non-Indigenous Australians. That's all they they really hear about. So so it's really important mm. that we do things like this to to provide a platform to. Uh, to demonstrate that amazing capacity and drive and achievements of, of First Nations Australians. Yeah. Absolutely. And, look, I mean, we were all at the London Marathon and we were lucky enough to be there with Charlie when he did his um, six-star. So it was amazing. We were chatting with him. He was handing around the medal. We were just so impressed by him, his yeah. determination, his mental strength. How many actual um, graduates have you had overall? Obviously, we know Charlie, um, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, how many overall have you had? So, yeah, so Charlie's number one and, and <laughs> he's very special. Um, and, and you know, he's also our first graduate to to run all six majors, which is pretty incredible to to do, you know, as a community fellow from uh, from Alice Springs, a Western Aranda man. Um and um, and now we, we've got 132 graduates all up um, who have have all run. Most of them have run international major international marathons. Uh, through the COVID years, we had a couple that um, haven't had an opportunity to get overseas mm. yet. But we took a group of those guys to to Athens earlier or late last year after the New York Marathon, and we had a group of the 2020 and 2021 grads who who did. Their first international in Athens, and we're also taking a group to Honolulu in December. Oh, of, wow. uh, so, so our, our commitment, yeah. So our, our commitment to them was that um, that you know uh, we we will use you stick to the path, you keep on training, keep on doing the right thing, um, and we'll get you to an international marathon. Uh, they they both ran their IMP marathon in Alice Springs or in the outskirts of Alice Springs, yeah. um, and it was pretty special as well mm. doing it you know in in their backyard and having family and other people other friends there to support them. Um, but I I want them to see the the size the size of running on the on the global scale. Yeah. Yeah. So so really keen to get them overseas to to run, mm. and it's you know we say. And the finish line in Central Park is just your starting line. Yeah. Uh, so it is really important for us as a foundation that we continue to support and mentor and provide grants and scholarships and assistance to to all of our graduates to continue to to step up. And and you know the, the 172 applicants that we had this year to select 12 is pretty challenging. Yeah. Uh, but the things we're looking for. Um, is you know what what is their why you know what is their purpose and and how strong is that uh, so when they do hit the wall uh, whether that in the marathon or whether it's just you know the alarm goes off at, at five o'clock in the morning and you've got to get up and, and go out for a run um, that's a pretty tough wall to get through as well <laughs> <laughs> uh, training by <laughs> yeah especially in Canberra yeah yeah um, <laughs> That's so, so, so that they have to have that strong why, and yeah. and for a, a lot of them, you know, it, it is that they want to break the cycle of of you know trauma and struggle and disadvantage, and they don't want their children or their nephews or nieces to have to go through what they've been through or what they've seen. So, 
so they want to be these, you know, agents of change. And then um, secondly, so that's, you know, that's that's absolutely critical. You know, they've got to have that strong why. Yeah. Because, you know, when you, you do hit the wall, you say, why am I doing this? And you've got to have that answer ready. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, um, you know, from the foundation's perspective, we have to see in them that they have the capacity to drive change. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just about taking, you know, an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Island man or woman to, to run an international marathon. Um, it's about it's about using that as a springboard and as a stepping stone. And and what's their what do we think their future and their capacity to really step up as as inspirational leaders and agents of change? And then how can mm. we as a foundation through through our you know fundraising and donations and and through the you know the, the t-shirts and other other little bits and pieces, our sponsors and things, how can we support them on that journey? Bearing in mind that they're still they're still young men and women, you know, mm. they're, they're eighteen to thirty year olds, um, so so they they're just starting out on their on their journey as as adults, and it's really important I think for us to support them, you know, side by side. We say you know we say we we run side by side. Nothing worse than having someone when you're out running who's a meter in front. Mm. Or, or someone who's too far behind, you feel guilty. But you know, having someone just by your side as you both push each other forward is a is a is a, a good metaphor for us mm, that yeah. we use. So, Rob, you talk about you've had 12, 12 members in the or twelve participants at any one time in any one year. I guess they're scattered this year all around Australia in various communities. Um, so, firstly, can you give us an idea of some of those communities where those people are coming from this year? But also. How do, yeah. train, how do you train yeah. people that way? Yeah, yeah, we're about to do a catch-up uh, with them um, pretty soon. So uh, we've got um, some. We've got quite a few guys from the remote communities. So we've got um, a, a, a young mum from uh, Nooka in in the Northern Territory. That's about uh, five hours um, sort of east of of Catherine. So very very small remote community, about three hundred or so people. Um, so, you know, so she's from there. We've got another, another young man, uh, Joe from, uh, Borolula, which is also <laughs> in the Northern Territory, another remote community. Um, we've got another fella, Peter from Beswick in the Northern Territory, another very, very small, isolated little remote communities. And we've deliberately gone a little bit heavier in some of the remote communities this year, uh, because, we see sometimes uh, having one significant person in a remote community can have a, a big difference. Mm. Uh, having, you know, having one person in Sydney, uh, you're, you're not going to ha always have the same impact, but yeah. having someone in the community um, can have a, a huge, a huge impact. And we've got also a, a, another, another fella, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Egan in Wyndham in Western Australia, just over the border there. So, mm. you know, we've got four, uh, guys from those remote communities, and we've got you know sort of uh, we've got a a mum, a mother of two from Darwin. Um, we've got uh, a, a single fella, Jack from from Melbourne. We've got a, a another a amazing young lady, Jade, up in Townsville. Uh, we've got uh, a fella over in Perth. Uh, we've got one of one of our uh, girls or one of our the women I first met when she was about eleven. And she's from a little remote community called Galawinku up on Elko Island. 
And we had another another one of our graduates from Elko Island, from Galawinku, and I was up there. We were doing a fun run with uh, with Evelina up there, and 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 this young girl won the fun run. So she was about 12, <laughs> 11 or twelve when she won that fun run when I first met her. And then and then she relocated from Galawinku to Darwin and studied and has now and was mentored by another one of our graduates who was looking after a, a group of of uh, Aboriginal kids in the in the school there. And now she's relocated here to Canberra and she's studying at the ANU. Oh, so, so her name is Faith and uh, and she's a, a pretty special special person. Mm. So you know it's it's pretty pretty diverse and um, and spread out right across the country. Pretty much, you know, from South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria, Northern Territory, WA, uh, Queensland. Um, so it's a yeah, pretty diverse group. Wow. Yeah, I can Yeah, sorry, Tony. Yep. I, I can just imagine the impact that you the program has on communities right around Australia and I, and I certainly uh, are one of many that sit back in awe and applaud the the whole um, project and the benefits that you've had. Rob, I know you're hard up against a deadline and we've only got a couple of minutes left on that. So just one final question, I guess, and how can people support the IMP or the IMF? What's the process? Yeah, look, um, uh, thanks, Tony. I mean, um, it's it's really important. I mean, you know, we are a, a charity, um, uh, not-for-profit charity, uh, so we we very much rely on on all of our donors and and support. Um, and people can support us by uh, you know buying a t-shirt, you know, just going online to our website and um, and you know wearing the t-shirt. Uh, being seen to to be supporting the foundation in fun runs and events out there, um, we've got a great relationship with a lot of the the race race directors around around Australia. So we you know like at Gold Coast and we're just up at the Cairns Running Festival, um, mm -hmm. often have a significant presence. So you know if any any of the running community are out there, uh, please don't be shy. Come over and, and say say hi if you see any of our um, our runners in their in their gear out there, you know, sort of pop over and say good day. So, you know, really want to encourage that connection. Um, and then, you know, we have events. You know, so all through November we have a an IMF virtual run. So it's a way that um, the running community can can join our squad in New York uh, virtually. So you know, people can log on, and this is all on the website. People can sign up. Uh, they can they can you know sort of log their kilometres, set themselves a goal to run a distance through through the month of November, and um, and and just follow you know follow uh, all the stories. Um, you know I I feel really privileged to have had this opportunity over the last you know sort of nearly fifteen years to to meet some amazing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people uh, to to see this incredible, beautiful, rich culture that we have in our backyard. You know, the, the everyone says it's the oldest living continuous culture on the mm -hmm. planet. And um, and I see it as such a uh, such an important part of the identity of who Australia is. Yes. And, and it's something that separates us from every other country on the planet. Um, you know, sure, we've got, the, we've got struggles uh, and there's a lot of work that we need to do. But what I'm seeing through through the simple act of running 
is that we are not only promoting health, you know, we, we all know that physical activity and running is really important for our physical health, but it's also important for our mental health and our well-being. Yeah. And it's also uh, such a wonderful and beautiful way to bring people together. Yes. Uh, so, you know, we've got grassroots uh, running programs. We have a what we call IMF RAW, running and walking clubs. So we've got about 40, just over 40 clubs all around oh, wow. Australia where our graduates go back. So they come through the program, not just in terms of getting fit enough to run a marathon, but they also, education is a really important part of it as well. So they, they come out of it as qualified uh, level one recreational running coaches. Uh, they come out of it with a, a first aid and CPR certificate, um, Aboriginal mental health first aid certificate, and also doing a, a certificate in Indigenous leadership. So the education is the other side of the, mm. of the, the IMP program. Uh, alongside with the running and um, and so so important for us to provide them with the ongoing support afterwards. Um, if I feel as though if all we ever did was take them to New York uh, and they came back with a, a beautiful big New York City Marathon medal, but they didn't do anything afterwards, then then I would have failed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's really important for us to have the support to provide them with the pathways and the opportunities after their marathon to continue to step up as inspirational yeah. leaders and and, and um, change agents. So it's, um, so yeah, encourage people. There's lots of ways that people can join us and, um, and you know, we're always looking for, for supporters and, and uh, help along the way. So, so please reach out to us and, and just follow, follow the stories and connect with the guys mm. through social media. Yep. No, I agree. And, and um, look, I know you're pressed for time tonight, so thank you very much for your time, Rob. Thanks, we'll, we will put up some details on our website and on our on our pages, our social media pages, Terrific. on those various links to the IMF and the IMP. Um, but thank you very much, and I think we can all agree that what you're doing is is truly life-changing and community-changing. Um, yeah. and, and the stories that we hear of these these runners that go and do this wonderful thing and then come through that and become leaders in their communities it's just yeah. awesome so, yeah yeah thanks well very done. much yeah Thank yeah you. look i i i think you know um i'm so proud of what i did as an athlete and yeah. and you know representing the country at the olympics and world championships and all those things was wonderful but um in a lot of ways this is the most important thing i've ever done yeah. you know i mean this is i you know this is addressing something that um, we as Australia need to improve. You know, this is this is a really critical issue that we can't just you know look away and 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 ignore. You know, we have to find ways. And if just through the simple act of running, we can we can make a difference. Mm. Um, then you know, this is the, the most important thing I've ever done. I know it's brought a lot of awareness to a lot of runners that I know. So, and it's really opened up our eyes to a different culture as well. We've We've been out to the Outback Marathon on the premise that we've seen you guys at um, Main Beach Park Run and <laughs> talked before, and and it's 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 fascinating. It really is, Rob. You really should be proud of not only just what yeah. you've achieved in your life, but what, as you said, what you're doing now. It's yeah. changing everyone else's life as well. So that's great. Yeah, thanks, Tara. Thanks, thanks very Thank much. You. Well, it's it's a, it's a marathon, so <laughs> a, long way, a long way to go. Um, and, and we'll keep on plugging away. Excellent. <laughs> Halfway is the 30K mark. I remember that. Yeah. That's right. That's, yeah. right. Yeah. That's, that's when it starts. 
All right. Thank you very much. Rob. Right. Thank Thanks, you guys. so much, All Rob. Right. No. All right. Thanks, Tony. See ya. Wow, what an inspirational individual. How is that, guys? That was awesome. Thanks, Rob, uh, for joining us and for uh, for giving up your precious time to do that. Um, mm. What did you think, Tony? I thought it was pretty impressive listening to the story there. I did, just some of the things just mind-blowing. And, and you think back to Rob talking about those initial four and how hard it was to get them. And then to hear the what he's now saying about the number of applications that are coming through. And the success of the program is incredible. 132 graduates have run a marathon and have become change makers in their community. And just that ripple effect that is happening with that is just, you know, that's such a positive program for the for any community and to see that happening and occurring in Indigenous communities, which can unfortunately be marginalised and we know that so to see those benefits coming through is just amazing he um you can actually hear in him how proud he is of that and i he's quite a humble man i think when you talk to him about running and everything else whether it's on our on our podcast or when we've had discussions with him before he's quite humble about his past achievements but with this one it's one that i think is his legacy it's his his big thing that he's leaving behind that's going to change uh, indigenous people in this country and running, I think, in general. And you can hear how proud he is about that. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed. Uh, the whole aspect of this program is that we take an individual who's never done something like this, we build them up to give them the confidence to be able to do something as challenging as a marathon, to learn the skills to be able to handle the hard times, to work their way through those problems, to be able to then move forward, achieve something, but then they go back to their communities and inevitably they become leaders in their communities, encouraging mm. others to get into running or to do other things that become hard in life. Yeah. And, and that is something that can't be underestimated, that effect, that ripple effect, I think, that this program, 132 graduates, probably has impacted a couple of thousand people um, mm. just from this program, if not more, um, with the benefits that it's come out of it. Yeah, so, the, um, the social review report that was in 2016 featured a number of different quotes yep. from from families and communities, and it is just it's just inspiring to to see the impact that these people have had. And I'm sure that when Charlie, for example, joined the program back in 2010, he had no idea that it would create a bug that saw him complete the six star journey, and that correct. was in London. Correct. And yes, then, sure yeah. And then, yeah, Alira, that's it. She yeah. completed her six-star journey in Boston. So it, it's just incredible the, the spark that this particular program creates. And, of course, if you're looking to donate, they do a virtual run during the year. They run deadly fun runs and they do all sorts of things. And, obviously, if, if our um, listening or viewing public want to help them, just head on off over to imf.org.au. So that's imf.org.au and um, support them any way you can. And if you are of uh, a, an Indigenous person interested in trialling or applying for the mm -hmm. program, 
applications for 2024 open in November or December this year. So keep your eye out for that. And, um, yeah, have a crack. It's just incredible. I I think there's a real opportunity here for a lot of the young Indigenous athletes who play football. You know, there's a lot of star Indigenous athletes playing AFL and NRL, but there's also a lot that don't make it. And I think um, when you get – because the funnel's so – it starts so wide when you're a teenager and then it just funnels down into – you know the the most elite, I guess, that make it in that in those at that premier level. But there's an opportunity for athletic-minded people. They may miss out on their NRL or AFL dream. Put your hand up and join the uh, the Indigenous Marathon Project because you can still make an impact, not just for yourself but for your communities. And I I think that's a really important message as well, Tim. Yeah, yeah it is, and. Um... It's 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 also interesting that they're alone in their communities doing this training, but they're not alone because they're part of the project. So mm. um, Rob alluded to it. He had another meeting to run to, <laughs> figuratively. But um, <laughs> um, he had another meeting, and that was largely a meeting where they get everyone together online on a, on a weekly Zoom call or whatever it is to go through their training, how they're progressing. So they've got each other to lean on. And yeah. they grow grow through it together and 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 experience the whole journey together. So, whilst they are training alone and that motivation becomes hard, they do have coaches and and the likes of Rob that they can rely on to give them that advice. So, definitely get into that imf.org.au website. There is a tab up the top there that allows you to do some fundraising or to donate. There is also a page uh, a tab on that page for shop. So, if you are interested, you can buy singlets and t-shirts as a supporter um, which uh, profits from that then go through to the IMF as well absolutely yeah um let's um break down some of Rob's I I know he's a very very humble man and he doesn't um bring himself like he he's very humble about his achievements but let's just have a quick look at some of his achievements because it I, I think most Australians around my age would be very much aware of the journey he had for the yeah. 82 Olympic us Commonwealth Games here in Brisbane. But he first came to attention in 1981 where he was he won the Fukuoka Marathon <laughs> in Japan in a time of 208.18, which was a world marathon record at yeah. that particular time. He then backed it up with a 209 to win 82 Brisbane Commonwealth Games, which at the time was an Australian all-comers record. Um, am I correct in saying that that was only recently beaten, Tim? Yeah, the Australian all-comers record was only recently beaten in the last year or so, I, I believe. I, I think it was Brett Robinson mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. yeah. So um, he also then backed it up with a first place in the Edinburgh Commonwealth Games in uh, 1986. The Olympics, he never medaled, but 10th at Moscow, 5th in LA. Um, he was 8th in Seoul. And in his final Olympics in 92, he was 26th at Barcelona. And um, he retired in 1993. When you look at the world majors, uh, you know, 94, third place Chicago, 85, sorry, 84, third place <laughs> Chicago. Um, 85, third place Chicago, 
he won the Boston Marathon yeah. in 2007 in 86. Now, I wasn't even aware an Australian had won the Boston Marathon, and I know how tough that course is. And that was an Australian marathon record. Um, in 86, he was second in New York. In 88, he was fourth in Tokyo. And in 1990, he was um, he backed up Boston and was fifth. So... Yeah, an amazing, an amazing history of results. If if he was competing now with those sort of results, he would be Kipchoge like. Um, that there is no doubt about it. Being a world record holder, winning a major, placing in two of the other three, or placing in the other majors, coming fourth in Tokyo, uh, three top ten finishes at Olympics, two Commonwealth Games. You would have to say that is up there in that sort of elite level, and and. Um, you know, I, I said it at the beginning when we when I introduced Rob that he is, you know, the greatest Australian marathoner of all time. But I also think he is one of our greatest ever athletes. Yeah, you know, we yeah. put him up against the likes of some of our, you know, Shirley Stricklands and some of those guys in the track and field over the years. And I, he's on par with them with what he's achieved. Very much. And I know that you were really disappointed that um, our time with Rob was so compressed because yeah. I know that you wanted to ask him, how do you think you would have gone against Kipchoge if you were running today? Yeah, with equal equal shoes, equal training, yeah. supplements, clothing, you know, you got to remember the shoes weren't the same technology 40 years ago. The clothing was cotton, not, not you know, wicking type material. You didn't have all the nutrition and all the rest of it that mm. you have nowadays. So... That's the one burning question. One day I'll get to ask Rob at some stage. <laughs> knowing how humble Rob is, he, he probably won't give me a, an answer other than, you know, it would be, you know, Kipchoge by a long way from him, mate. But... That goes back to our original conversation at the start of the podcast where we're like, yeah. you know, who, you know, comparing people from different eras, it's, yeah. it's very hard to do. But, yeah, it would be great to see the difference, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah it would be. It would the be. other question I'll, I'll ask Rob another time, if I get a chance, is, you know, he mentioned in that uh, interview uh, about his thoughts that Indigenous Australians might be able to show the same sort of uh, marathon and running abilities as the the East Africans. Mm. And I just wouldn't mind pushing that a little bit further, I think, next time we have a discussion with him to understand yeah. where he thinks that's going and whether or not in the future with some, you know, training and, and proper, you know, coaching and all the rest of it, whether or not, there might be a future Australian Indigenous runner out there that could be, you know, a uh, Kipchoge-like mm. uh, runner. Um, who knows? But, yeah, again, got to thank Rob very much for his time. Um, and going forward also, we are looking to have other IMF and IMP representatives join us. So uh, we'll look to get Aisha, who yeah. introduced yeah. us to Rob, um, to come on board and tell us her story. She sits on the board of IMF. Um, but we're also looking to get some of the finishers uh, as well, mm. the, the guys that have gone through the IMP to come in and talk about their journey as well. So mm. this is not the end of our our uh, discussions about the Indigenous Marathon Project. We will we'll continue them on in, in future episodes. Absolutely. All righty. What's next, Tara? Are you going to do a funny? I do have to do a funny. <laughs> These are getting harder every week. So sorry. <laughs> Probably going to offend a few members of our audience with this one, so I'm not sure if I do it or not. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> so if if running a marathon was easy, it'd be called cycling. 
<laughs> You're only offending the triathletes. It's okay. <laughs> oh, that that's good. Thank you. <laughs> well, you got Tony. <laughs> I enjoyed that one, and one of the reasons why I enjoyed that one is because. Um, one of the podcasts I listened to, the long run for the 40 runs community in the UK, and they um, challenged Chris Ford, who's 40, to do a 100-kilometre bike run, and he lasted one day of training because he just <laughs> was bored out of his skull, he reckons. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he suffers a little bit of anxiety and being so close to other people just really didn't put him in the right mindset so he just he stopped so so cycling your butt hurts constantly for like three days afterwards (laughs) and you don't have to pedal to go down hills that's true Oh, well, Tony, so what's coming up on next week's episode? Uh, yeah, thanks, Tara. Next week we go from one legend of Australian running to another and uh, we get the privilege of having a chat to Michael Walton, who's the race director and owner of the Australian Outback Marathon. Michael's going to give us a recap of this year's event, not just the race itself or the races itself, I've got no doubt we'll, um, he'll share some stories about the events that we truly miss, the the dinners and the post-marathon drinks. Um, <laughs> but really looking forward to that, and I think everyone will be truly entertained by Michael. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he'll be looking – I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a good chat. Thanks, Tony. Uh, look, I can't wait for that episode. Anyway, we have now concluded our fifth episode so if you enjoyed the show please like and subscribe wherever you've listened or watched this episode video of this episode will be available at spotify and youtube and audio will be on apple podcasts amazon podcasts google podcasts and most other popular podcast platforms um just remember every step forward is a victory lace up hit the road and we'll catch you on the next episode until then happy running happy running happy